This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello, and welcome to the Inheritance Page-by-Page podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books chapter-by-chapter. I am Austin, or Teacup, one of your hosts of this podcast, and I'm here with my other host. I'm Sheacup, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So we last week we did Discovery, which is the this first official chapter of the Inheritance Cycle and the Aragon book. And now we're on to chapter two, which is called uh, Palancar Valley. And so what happens in this chapter is Aragon is making his way back home with the stone in question, traveling through the spine. He makes it to the village of Carvajal, where he tries to trade the stone with the local butcher, Sloan, which Sloan is kind of antagonistic of Aragon and he offers him like three crowns or something, some meagle sum for the stone. Then Sloan learns that it was from the spine and he freaks out and doesn't want to do business with Aragon until Sloan's daughter, Katrina, intervenes and brings in the local smith, Horst, who buys meat for Aragon and basically tells Sloan to go away and that it would be very dangerous to not trade with Horst. And then Aragon returns home. I think the statement that you made that Sloan was kind of antagonistic is the biggest understatement you've said in this podcast thus far. Um, so another thing that happens is that he does make it home to the Harmstead where we are, we are introduced to Garrow, his uncle. And at first, Garrow is upset that Aragon got, quote unquote, charity from Horst. And we learn that Aragon's going to work this off. And Garrow kind of relents a little bit. And then Aragon tells him about Sloane's reaction, which Sloane re- Garrow reveals that Sloane's wife had died over the falls in the spine. And that's why Sloane hates the spine and doesn't want to deal with anything like that. Then Aragon reflects on it's good to be home. And that's the end of the chapter. So that's all of it. What are your uh, first impressions there, Shelby? Um, so the first thing that really stood out to me, and like, I know who this person is because I've listened to snippets of the audiobook. Galbatorix is mentioned for the first time in this chapter. Ah, yeah. So Galbatorix is mentioned for the first time. That's a pretty big deal. Um, you're not really told much about him. He's just kind of name dropped a little bit. So I thought that was interesting. 
it's also something else that stuck out to me is is he's talking about the land and like the towns and stuff and he's like this town in Carvajal and then the next couple and he's basically says something or thinks something like I'm not familiar with any past that so he doesn't know the land he doesn't know he's not familiar with the rest of the country like he's had a very sheltered life up to this point. yes and that very much because he is living in Carvajal or around Carvajal and Palakar Valley, which there is a map in the front of the book. And if you look, it's in, it's rested. And he says this in the spine, which is this mountain range. And it is very secluded mm. from the rest of Allegasia. Like so much that like, it is almost its own culture and own thing evolving around, very different from the rest of the empire and Allegasia. Right. Yeah, any other first impressions? So I think in this chapter, like, well, let me back up. In chapter one, you learn like, okay, there's desperation here. Like he is out hunting or they won't have any meat. Winter is coming, you know, like he's got a lot of things he has to do. But I think in this chapter, you really start to feel the desperation much more. And I think that that starts to happen in sloan's butcher shop um he's very worried and you start to really feel that more than you do in the the previous chapter so i think that's significant i also think that the spine is going to become important or is important just by the way it's been talked about like it's very um what's the right word like mysterious mysterious yeah that's a great word like spooky things happen here we don't go there because we don't want spooky things to happen to us mm-hmm. kind of situation yeah and also that kind of leads me to my next thing is that all of these people in this village they see magic as bad that's the vibe i'm getting like there have been several times where people are like that's magical no thank you mm-hmm. That's a recurring kind of thing. Uh, Magic has a unique kind of role in these books. And so it'll be really interesting to see you watch that unfold. Uh, They're definitely like, I can tell that Christopher Paolini, at least, either has some experience or is from, I think he's from Montana. And so this kind of, experience you feel the realness of like this is a small secluded town that doesn't like interact with the rest of the world very often and you see that in these like superstitions that develop and all these things around that they keep to themselves they don't like outsiders they don't like anything strange happening yeah it very much reminds me of like a mountain town like those kind of stereotypes Mm -hmm. like I won't name any places, but close to where I grew up. Though I will say this, that the first time I ever read this, one of the things that stuck up, when they describe the village of Carvajal, I'm like, even as like a 17 year old or whenever, however old I was when I first read this. No, I wasn't 17. I was in fifth grade. So I was younger than that. So I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. And... I was like, I want to live in Carvajal. Like, it just sounded like a great place to live. And it's the way it's described to me, even reading it now, is 
I feel like it would be very kind of serene and beautiful. Yeah, especially like in the next chapter, which we'll talk about mm -hmm. in a minute. Um, it just, it, it's just, it feels like the happy fantasy little town, like the Shire mm -hmm. before the bad things happen, like Bilbo's party yeah. kind of vibes. And I also love that. But right. uh, my prediction is that that is not going to be there forever. Um, all right. Well, another thing that stood out to me was about the mention of Galvatorix. And early on, we get this sense Aragon thinks, or this kind of narration, that we assume is just kind of Aragon. Like, is the narrator is like an in-universe narrator. It's not a, like, omniscient narrator that sees everything. It is limited by the point of view that we are experiencing limited narrator is the word that i'm looking for so aragon is not necessarily yeah it's not a first person narrator but it's from his point of view so we are seeing the world through aragon right. but we see this like looking at the king is like this pride and saying the spine is this area that galvatorx can't call his own so already there's this sense of defiance to the empire and mm -hmm. this idea that this priding of freedom and being separated from the empire in this. There's a pride being, there. Yeah, like being different is, not necessarily being different is a good thing, but being different from the other parts of your country is a good thing. Yes. I feel like they do still very much value like conformity in, in mm -hmm. their village, but they want to conform to who they are, not necessarily who everyone else is. Yeah. Definitely. The other thing that like stuck out to me is just kind of like also it's a very like stereotypical small town. Like it feels like I could go there and like I could find towns like this. The like way that, you know, especially when Horst comes in, like you can tell, oh, he's the smith. Like and there's even this sense of like he's an important person in this town and like he is the person that no one contradicts in this town, really. Very, very, very accurate. Very yeah. much so. Um, and so I definitely get that in there. And just like the kind of juxtaposition we're put in here is like immediately we are introduced as Sloan is not a generous man nor a kind man. Yeah, like he's a bad person. Right. Um, he's not necessarily evil and... For those of you who know the books, and I do, I know how the story unfolds. I still would argue that he's not necessarily evil. I would just say that he's selfish. And just the like immediate assumption that Aragon is there and he doesn't have any money or anything to pay for this. Like he would just come and be someone who's expecting a handout, mm -hmm. which is not the case. And like, there's even like this sense of when we get to Garrow, like he's like, you didn't ask, get this for charity. Like the next thing you know, like they're going to be sending up baskets of supplies to us because they think we can't feed ourselves. Which that, that whole conversation very much reminded me of like a lot of my relatives. Like mm -hmm. they would act like that. Like, yes, we don't want people thinking that we can't feed ourselves or like, but also, it's so funny, like, it's such a small town thing, you're right, but it's also like, 
I have relatives who would say, well, we don't need charity. Like you don't need to bring me food, whatever. But then as soon as some of my relatives hear of somebody in need, they're like, oh, I'm going to go take them food. Like I'll take them a casserole. It's like people are just trying to help. Right. And like Garrow is very much painted in the same light when we first get to him as Uncle Owen is when we're introduced in A New Hope, Um, which both are both stories are based on the hero's journey. So there are going to be a lot of parallels between this book and A New Hope because they're both based on the same kind of archetype that goes through these adventure stories. Yeah. And that makes sense. That makes sense because it is a hero's journey. Yes. So there's always going to be overlap in those. Yes. Um, and so, but what I like about this as opposed to like getting the entrance we get of Uncle Owen in A New Hope, like we're never given any kind of insight into Owen's compassion in Star Wars until Obi-Wan Kenobi. They, like, I was like, giving you the side eye, like, come right. on now. But I'm comparing this to A New Hope. Like, we don't get that. He's just the uncle who wants to keep Aragon on for, or not if keep Luke on for the harvest. And we kind of get that with Garrow here about like needing Aragon for all of this stuff. But like, there's, there's like a moment where Aragon at the end, he says, it's so good to be home. And there it, it said, Garrow softens and just nods. And it's like an acknowledgement of, yes, this is your home. Like you are welcome here. And this is a safe place for you which is something that I really did appreciate about the Obi-Wan Kenobi because I've always thought that Owen's background, his desire isn't about having help on the farm because he can get the help that he needs. It's about keeping Luke safe. And I think that that's a similar way with Aragon is that Garrow does care about him as a son and not just like his nephew that is his ward. Yeah, like he's not... He doesn't feel like, oh, I'm obligated to care for this because he's my nephew. He does care for him because he cares for him. Mm-hmm. He loves him as as even his own son. Um, and I think that's apparent. Like, he's very concerned about his safety um, yeah. and all of that. And we get kind of more of that solidify of, you know, it's not like it's this distrust of magic. Garrow says, like, the less we have involved with magic, the better is what he says about the stone, about that they'll um, sell it when the traders come, which kind of like, again, paints the world that like, yes, Carvajal is isolated, but there is like a thing of trade that's going on with this nomadic caravan of traders that go around the land, which we'll get to them in the next chapter. I think that's all the impressions I have. A lot more happened in this chapter than the previous two. Yeah, this chapter was like triple the length of the last one. Oh, and we didn't talk about, we are introduced to a budding romance in this chapter. We are. We are. We're also introduced to Aragon's cousin, Roran. Yeah, we are. Um, which. Who was one half of the budding yes. romance. Roran and Katrina, which is interesting. I love that it's such like this kind of like sibling or cousin response that Roran and Aragon exchange of like, you told Horst. Like, why are you telling people my secrets? Well, I mean, like, we don't, like, Roran didn't tell him not to tell Horst. Right. He just was like, you should have been more discreet or everything like that. But like, you didn't tell him to be discreet. But it is a big deal, like, especially in the culture. And like, we can assume in this medieval kind of setting, like, Roran kind of courting Katrina without Sloane's knowledge 
would be a scandal and a big deal. I don't know if we can assume that. Well, yeah, but I'm. Mean, are you just saying that from other knowledge of books? Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> quiet yeah so maybe yes i am further knowledge but no there is this thing about like we are being set up to a basic kind of like fantasy trope medieval culture which would be that like roaring courting a woman without like going through the proper steps first would not be okay but you know there he's 17 we're told that he's two years older than aragon so yeah, those were kind of like what stood out to me. Uh, you said your prediction, one of your predictions earlier, but do you have any more? What was I my prediction remember. earlier? Oh, I said something about yeah. the spine, yeah. right? My other prediction, like I don't really have a lot of predictions at this time. I don't think Aragon is really going to stay this hunter kind of boy. Right. Like he's he's going to have to leave. Yeah. I think that's obvious. That's really this chapter. Much more eventful. You start mm-hmm. seeing like the culture in the world is building around and like Aragon's place in it is kind of getting more solidified. I think that this chapter kind of like eases up the responsibility on Aragon a little bit because like with Katniss, at least when we compared it to that, like I feel like no one is being the adult for Katniss in right. the Hunger Games. There are adults who are being adults for Aragon. Yeah, that's true. Um, he he does this because of that, but like never in the sense is like Garrow ever imposing on him. If you don't do this, we're going to starve. But he still feels that pressure. Yeah. Um, but to me, it like lessens that because, okay, this is an adult who realizes I am the responsible adult and leader of this household. Like, this is my responsibility. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And like, there is a even like horse horse is very much like you are a 15 year old kid i am an adult like shut up go away right (laughs) you don't have to worry about this Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right well if that's all you got that's all i got all right well thank you for listening to the inheritance page by page podcast we will see you next time Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.